0: Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. All right, why don't we give God some praise in this place. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. He's worthy of way more of a round of applause than that. Um, cool. Well, how are you doing, everyone? I'm wearing my Tichi glasses on tonight. Do you, do you guys dig that? Like, You, you, you feel that? Is it, is it working for me or nah? It's working for me? Let's just go with it then. I just thought I'd try it, you know, try something new. Um, I don't actually have any issues with my eyes. It's just for fashion, you know. So I'm, I'm superficial like that. I apologize. Uh, I might actually move this way over here because then I can work with this crew over here. This is my crew right here. This side right over here. You guys are amazing. Um, But hey, if we ever met, my name's Jared. As Josh uh, so eloquently said before, um, I am really just a dude that's part of Harmony Church. And I get the privilege of looking after embassy youth. Are there any youth in the building tonight? Mackenzie's in the building tonight. You know when Mackenzie's in the building, yeah, She just is awesome. Um, But uh, basically, I'm going to preach a message tonight. It's not going to go too long, but it's going to be really great. Um, but before I preach, I just felt like um uh yeah, I just felt like I had a word for someone and God's saying there's victory beyond your pain. Um, there's victory beyond your pain. You might be going through a season that really hurts at the moment, or maybe you've just uh, experienced something that's not too good. Um but I just want to encourage you, like there's victory beyond that. Like we're we're not here just to have just to have like a, a you know a happy good life. That is God's plan for us. Um but ultimately, we're here to succeed. We're here to win because we're on the winning team. Do you guys believe that? There's a victory beyond your pain. So if that words for you, be blessed. I um, really feel like that's going to help you in this season. Um, next week, we've got Ben Williams coming to teach on evangelism, relational evangelism. And so um, tonight, uh, I really feel like God wants to um, prepare us for that. I really feel like we're going to see a great harvest come in um, next weekend and I feel like what God wants to do tonight, and finally He's used me to do it, which is just hilarious, because um, this is really an area that I'm, I'm extremely passionate about, and uh, this, that's the area of discipleship. I really feel like God wants to remove a few barriers for us in the area of personal discipleship and activate us into our influence. Is that cool? Um, uh, yeah, so tonight's going to be more of a teach than a preach, that's why I got, why I got my teaching glasses on. I, like, I look smart, yeah, thank you. Some people say I look like, where's Wally? So you can spot me when I read my read talk. that's right. But uh, I'm going to pray real quick and then we'll get into it. So dear Lord Jesus, I just thank you Lord God for this time to uh, come around your word. God, I pray that we would be stirred, God, that we would be encouraged and challenged. Um... Lord God, that you would speak to each of us, you would show us people, highlight people in our lives who we can really begin to um, invest into and lead, and God, I pray tonight um, that we would be activating our influence, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Well, I'm going to start the sermon tonight. You guys are looking real lively. Are you all awake? You feeling good? Are you gonna, when I preach, you've got to talk back to me, okay? I just want to educate you on how to, if, if you ever preach, you understand what I mean. There's nothing worse than speaking to a group of people that are just, just they're just giving you nothing, man. Uh, so tonight, it's going to make your night way more enjoyable if you just get vocal with it. Is that cool? Can I get an amen? Can I get a hallelujah? All right, brilliant. It's going to be way more enjoyable if we just work together on this. Uh, and I believe that God's going to speak to you. So i got a question for you tonight. Who likes a good cliffhanger? Like in, in like a movie or like a TV series or a book, like a good cliffhanger, right? Um, usually what happens is that, you know, in a story, they develop the characters. It's good versus evil. And then, um, you know, or it might be a TV series. I remember I used to watch 24. Did anyone get amongst that back in the day? Jack Bauer. I'd say that's probably in my top three um, favorite TV shows of all time. But why it was so good, thank you, Joe. Why it was so good is that every, every single episode would finish on a cliffhanger. So like something drastic would happen, like someone would die. Like I remember the guy that plays Samwise Gamgee in Lord of the Rings. He was on 24 and he died from this nerve gas, right? And it was just tragic, these terrorists had put these, this nerve gas in the, in the CIA, or whatever it's called, CTU, Central Counter-Terrorist Unit. And, and all these things were happening, and then, bang, it cuts off, and there's a cliffhanger. And it's the end of the series. you got to wait, like, six months until the next, the next piece of information, the next pro- piece of progress in the story. A cliffhanger, right? Um, who's, who's seen, like, the latest Infinity War? Avengers Infinity War. Okay, most of this crowd right here haven't. Um, so don't worry, I'm not going to spoil it for you. But basically, if you've seen it, you'll know that it ends on just a mad cliffhanger. Hey, like it just ends and you're like, okay, all right. I guess I'll wait till next year, you know, give it a year and we'll, we'll come back to it. But it ends on a cliffhanger. And so um, if you if you read through uh, Matthew's account of the gospel, um, you'll realize that the book ends with a humongous cliffhanger. And it's intriguing. And we have that, we have that verse, if you have it there. Awesome. Thank you, Matty Waite. You're the man. Um, and we can read it on the screen. This is how it ends. This is, this is actually the theme verse from our conference we just had a couple months ago. It says in Matthew 28:19, 19, um, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's a cliffhanger, man. That's a cliffhanger. Because just for a bit of context, Jesus said He, he, he came to earth as a baby. This is God in the flesh. He was a baby. He grew up. was in the temple, ran away. They found Him again. Woo! And, he, and then He continues through His ministry. And then... Public ministry opens, baptised, like lights from heaven, voice from heaven. It's amazing. And then he's, he's crucified. Then he's raised from the dead. And now he's just about to like, he's basically done everything that he's here to do. Right? And it's pretty anticlimactic in a way. It seems at first, if you look at it, because he basically says this, he's like, hey, guys, go and make disciples. Yeah, peace. See ya. And then like flies up into heaven, you know? The, the disciple, you're probably thinking the disciples are standing there like, uh, probably go catch some fish, yeah, hey, don't really know what to do. But um, if you read into this verse and read into this whole story, the thing we need to realise is that this, this statement to go make disciples, it made perfect sense to them. It made perfect sense. Um, it, it might seem like an out of the blue sort of thing um, for Jesus to do all this stuff. We're trying to figure out what's going on. He, he died, he's rose from the grave, then he's ascended into heaven, he's gone. But for these young men, the call the to discipleship made perfect sense. It, it made perfect sense because think about it, for the past three years of their lives, Jesus had, had, had intentionally and consistently and proactively invested into their lives day in, day out for the last three years. He discipled them. And you see it all through, the, all through the Gospels is that he takes moments. He preaches to a big crowd and he's like, yo, Sermon on the Mount, you guys are amazing. Do these things. And that's incredible. Or he explains something. He, he has a heated debate with the Pharisees who were like the legal teachers of the day. And every time he would do something like that, like drastic and big and, and demonstrative, you would always find him back here with the boys. Back at, back at um, Peter's, you know, crib, they'd just be hanging out playing some, uh, you know, playing some Monopoly deal or whatever. And Jesus would, would, he would intentionally explain everything that he had just preached. He would give them the, the secrets, like the, the pro tips that no one else would know about. And the reason he did this is because he was literally setting them up. He was setting them up. It may have sound it may have seemed like a real simple thing when Peter was you know standing here catching fish, and he was pretty useless at it anyway um, and Jesus is like, "Come with me, man. I'm going to make you a fisher of men and so from that very initial call, and a lot of us have had that call tonight is is the, is this process of following Jesus along the journey is that in every moment Jesus was setting these guys up. To, to continue what he was doing, right? Jesus didn't, he didn't just kind of, he's got it all figured out. He didn't just come to earth and be like, cool, yeah, I guess I'll die for their sins. You know, that'd be great, fantastic. Then I'll just roll up into heaven, it'd be great. Eat some candy corn in heaven and these guys, you know, they can just chill. That's not what he said. He made it really clear and he demonstrated it through his whole entire ministry, this thing called discipleship this thing called discipleship. And it's it's amazing to see, like, when, when you look in, like, straight after this cliffhanger, we roll over into the book of Acts, and it's no surprise to see the ones that are pioneering the early church, the ones doing the damage, the ones expanding the kingdom, the, one, the ones that are putting their life at risk, every, almost every single day it seemed, the ones that were spreading the gospel, were these ones that Jesus spent the most time with, His disciples. And it's, it's, it's amazing to think that we're actually part of the same movement that started all the way back there. Have you guys ever thought about that? Like it's just been links in a chain all the way back to Jesus of people that have decided, hey, look, I, I, I know what's true. I know what's good. I know Jesus. And now I'm going to invest my life into other people. Now we're here today, this, this, this church wouldn't actually exist. We wouldn't be sitting here. We'd probably be at the movies tonight or something. This what Everything we, we, we believe, it wouldn't really exist unless there were people that were willing to invest their life along the way and pass on everything they knew. Demonstrate the kingdom and in that way continue this movement. Who's excited to be part of that movement tonight? Come on. I mean, I'm personally just thankful that, like, think about this for a minute. Like Jesus Christ, like the main man, the top don, the 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 cream of the crop, best of the best, like the anointed one of heaven, like King of all kings, Lord of all lords. Like he's just the top don. He's just you can't get any better than him. Like he's just incredible, and his strategy. Think about this for a sec, his strategy it sounds so ridiculous. He would come to earth as a baby, first of all, like let 's just park there. if I was coming to earth to like set up my kingdom and see it expand across the whole world that 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 's not what i've chosen i w- I wouldn't have chosen that because that just it's so just upside down in our way of thinking. But what Jesus did is his strategy was to take a few people and invest everything he had into them. Everything he had. And we're part of that movement today. Come on, we can give Jesus some praise for that. That's amazing. That's incredible. Now, this is a bit of a, I I told you guys, this is a bit of a teachy one tonight. And this is different for me. This is kind of out of my comfort zone. But I really felt like uh, I really felt like tonight, if we could just get a few things at, like, settled in our heads, if we could really just get some clarity around this discipleship thing, I really believe that as, like, as this community of believers, um, because you know, usually when we think of Jesus, we're like, oh man, miracles, signs and wonders, demons cast out, you know, power, demonstration. But we need to understand that everything Jesus did on earth And during his public ministry was in the context of this thing called discipleship. Discipleship. Everything he did was to teach others to do the same. So at this point, you might be wondering, what what the heck is discipleship, man? I came to church just because there's nothing else to do tonight. I don't want to learn how to do this thing called discipleship. sounds real boring. It's a long word. sounds mundane and stupid and pointless, but... Basically, I, I just wanted to, first of all, I want to define what discipleship is. And then for this whole group of people right here, this family, I basically just want to go through, through four myths that I believe that we currently, we currently believe about discipleship. And then after that, I'm just going to give you guys a choice, an option to, to really just make this a central part of your life, your priority. The number one task of every Christian is discipleship. It's discipleship. That's the pattern that Jesus left. So what is discipleship? Discipleship is an intentional friendship with Christ at the center. When you put it like that, that doesn't sound too bad, eh? That sounds pretty good. That actually sounds pretty good. I'll say it again. Discipleship is an intentional friendship with Christ at the center. An intentional friendship with Christ at the center. There's a lot of people in our lives that we hang out with and we have to do life with and do church with. But how many people are we, are we intentionally investing into? Um, I think one of the, my favorite verses in all the Bible on this, this particular topic is in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 8. And I think that's on the screen. This is Paul speaking, probably one of the greatest missionaries in the history of forever. This is what he said. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. I'm going to read that again. We loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Isn't that incredible that Paul, this amazing missionary dude, who was like in jail, he was put in prison, he ended up getting um, beheaded in Rome, that he put his whole life he put his whole life on the line for this cause. He not only preached the gospel because he was a great preacher, he was a very articulate and intelligent man, but he, he, he demonstrated the power of God, not only in miracles, but in doing life with people and loving people for who they are and in, in doing so, spreading the gospel. Isn't that amazing? Discipleship is about openly showing Christ through your lifestyle, walking out what you profess to believe and teaching others to do the same. Is that a challenge tonight? Do you guys feel challenged? It's very easy to, to talk the talk. And I think we're, we're getting to a point um, even, you know, like in, in this city where people are very quick to figure out who's genuine and who's not. We as a church need to be people that are authentic and real, man. We need to walk the walk. You can't talk the talk for very long. You're going to run out of gas way too soon. But if you're walking the walk, if people see that, wow, man, this guy does family amazingly. The way this guy looks after his kids, the way this guy leads in worship, the way this guy runs a business, it's amazing. He goes to church on a Sunday, like, sure, that's weird. But look at how he, look at how he organizes his time. Look at how he values other people. We need to be people that not only preach the gospel, because that's great, that's necessary, but we need to share our lives with other people as well. That was Paul's method, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. Um, and I really believe that if we can just get this, we're gonna grow in, in influence, in maturity, and in power like never before. There's a word this morning that, that we heard from Gideon that you know someone was prophesying that this could be the next hill song. And that's that we don't want to be the next hill song, but what he's saying is we're we're gonna be a world-influencing church. It's the influence. We want, we're a community of influence. That We're not just called to sit here in these walls, but we're called to walk the walk, go out into this city here where you live, in your community, and demonstrate Christ. So the first myth I want to look at tonight that you, that you guys might have um, subconsciously allowed yourself to slip into is this, this, this first myth here. We can chuck that on screen. Ooh, dang. I might just leave that up there for a few minutes. Woo. The first myth that we can buy into as a church, as a community, is that discipleship is just the pastor's job. Gideon and Catherine just, just sighed a sigh of relief. Because it's not just their job. They're great at discipling people, but it's, it's everyone's job. You know, for a long time, I feel like this mentality may have just trickled in a little bit, just seeped in a little bit. Like, ah, I don't know, man. You, you, you professional Christians can take care of all that. You know, but uh, we're all professional Christians, aren't we? We're all professional Christians. Um, Basically, to clarify this, I mean, we've got some amazing senior leaders here, Gideon and Catherine, and a a core kind of staff team, guys like Josh and uh, myself and a bunch of other amazing people, Johnny Clark and all these guys that help just take care of the day-to-day, week-to-week mundane stuff, right? The stuff that you guys don't really want to do anyway. But our job is to not do all the work, but it's to help you guys do the work. It's, it's to help release you into your ministry. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Um, it's to equip you guys in your ministry. It's to equip you guys. Whatever God's given you, whatever's in your hand, that's what God wants to use to make an impact. I think for a long time in Christchurch, particularly, it's a very parochial little village sort of place um, where you kind of just know everyone. Um yeah, I just upset a few people. Honestly, there's no, way you, there's no way you can go in Christchurch that you don't bump into someone you know. It's just freakish. It's crazy. But I think the mentality, like this tall poppy thing, man, that just, that just has to go away. That's no good. That's not biblical at all. Because I really believe that if, you know, if this is heaven invading earth, which I really believe it is, and this is the vehicle that it's, it's coming through, then we can't afford to just 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 settle for Plan B or C. We can't afford to just be second rate or below par or average. We've got to be the best of the best. We've got to be the best of the best. And so whatever God's given you, put in your hand. That's what He wants to use to to be an influence for Him. Does that does that make sense? Am I preaching good tonight? Um. Just to add to that, like in, in Matthew 28, if you, in case you need some biblical evidence of this, Jesus is addressing these guys as disciples. You can go look it up. He's addressing them as disciples, even though they'd already been authorized as these apostles, these like these special sent ones, right? But this is to demonstrate, this isn't a task for a specific chosen group of people. This is for all of us, Amen. Just to, just to kind of um, spell it out real plain and clear, if you think of the pastoral team or the pastors, they're like little Bo Peep, okay? They're the shepherd. Little Bo Peep in the paddock, having fun gallivanting around, doing the stuff, okay? But when have you ever seen a shepherd give birth to a sheep? <laughs> that's a pretty disgusting, that's a pretty disgusting imagery. A shepherd doesn't produce more sheep The shepherd's job is to look after these sheep so they can produce more sheep themselves. The pastor's job is not necessarily to disciple people. That is our job. God has put people on our our heart. Maybe it's a family member. It's someone that's close to us. It's a sibling or it's one of our kids. um, Or it's it's a youth kid or someone at school, maybe a student that you teach. Um, God has put them on your heart because He wants you to actively and proactively engage in this thing called discipleship engage in this thing called discipleship. As people at this congregation, I just want to challenge you, it's, if I can, I'm just a young blood here, but I'm just going to put it out there and see if I can get away with it. It's our, response, it's our responsibility to disciple the people in our world. And you don't need a master's degree in theology to disciple others. All you need is a willingness to share your life with other people and draw them even just one step closer to Christ. If you've done that, you're winning you're winning at the Christian walk. And that's amazing for two reasons. First of all, they're going to grow in their faith and you're going to grow in yours. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing when you give things away, you actually get blessed a whole lot more. And that is the process of discipleship. We live in an age where it's like, it's like spectator sport, right? Who loves a bit of football in here? Bit of basketball, maybe. Basketball, NBA. Fabian loves a bit of basketball. Um... We live in this age of spectator sport, and I think that's kind of the wrong mentality that we that we need. To, we don't need to adopt that mentality. We need to adopt a, a mentality of 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 participation, because in in the kingdom, man, it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of offensive in a way, is that there's no spectators allowed. There's no spectators allowed. Yeah. That's pretty full-on, man. To think like, man, Jesus, the, like. He, de- he doesn't allow anyone to just sit back and watch. He doesn't allow that. He doesn't allow that. I want to encourage you guys tonight. You are the team. You are, the, you are this, you are plan A. You are the cavalry. You are the cavalry. If you, are, if you don't feel like you are it, I want to encourage you tonight. You are it. You are it. You, stand in, you sit in rooms that no one else is in, which means that you have an influence no one else has. You can do things no one else can, which means that you have an influence no one else has. You have an anointing no one else has. And so as a, as a collective group of people, I feel like God just wants to challenge us tonight. There are no spectators in the kingdom. It's a no-no. We can't allow that. We can't, we, we can't, I know these seats are comfortable, but we can't just sit, we can't just sit here and expect things to change. We can't be pew sitters. We have to be people that actively engage engage and use the influence we have it might be one person you might disciple one person for the rest of your life that's success the second the second myth that we that we uh that we might buy into is uh, is this one here Oof, man i'm just calling it out tonight Woo. i might be in trouble after this get a pay cut nah um Number two, I'm I'm too introverted to disciple people. I'm just too introverted, man. It's just it's just not my style. It's not my flavor. It's not my personality type. And and I mean to put it plainly, like I I've read a few translations of this verse, but I I haven't seen a sub note that that kind of says uh, you know for all you extroverts out there, go and make disciples, change the world. But all you introverts, man, you just chill. You just do you. Just, just, just you, 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 You're good. You're good. You're good. But you, in, you extroverts, man, you, you can get it done. I believe in you. You've got what it takes. He's not saying that. He's, this, is, this is for everyone, regardless of whether you get exhausted after hanging out with people, and that's valid, or whether, you know, you just feel like this isn't you. This isn't your style. You don't like hanging out with people. You don't even, You don't even like yourself. You don't don't like people. I want to encourage you tonight that that stepping into discipleship is one of the healthiest things you can do for you. One of the healthiest things you can do for you. It doesn't matter if you're introverted or extroverted. There is at least one other person that you can invest into. The call to discipleship is for all of us, which means that a personality test or a counselor's recommendations has to come secondary to what God is asking us to do. And I really believe that, you know, as we step outside of our comfort zone, I want to encourage you that whatever God has commanded us to do, and this, this is an important command. This is an important and vital role of what we're doing here as a church and as a community, that He's already empowered you to do it. He's given you an amazing personality and an amazing sense of style and amazing quirks and just hilarious things that are just so funny about each of us. But, but God is saying, this is for all of us, man. This is for all of us. No one's excluded from discipleship. Everyone can invest into someone, even just one person. God's, God, God wants to challenge you tonight and encourage you that as you step outside of your comfort zone, that you're going to see amazing things happen. You never know until you go, right? You never know until you go. Imagine if Peter stayed in the boat. He's like, oh, man. These floorboards sure are good here on this boat. Nah, he, he just, he, he actually made a crazy decision and he just said, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone even though I've never done this before and I'm going to see amazing things happen. The third thing that I think we can all often buy into is this, is this third one here. I am, I am unqualified to disciple other people. I'm not good enough. I'm just not that great. Like if people knew who I really was, like they would not they would they would not be keen to, you know, do life with me. Like I'm too broken. I've done I've done too many bad things. I've made too many mistakes. Um and, and honestly you might be saying, man, I'm or maybe I'm too old, like I'm I'm too old, like I just can't I'm just too old, or maybe I'm too young. I'm too young to disciple anyone, or maybe I'm not like spiritually mature enough yet. You know, I haven't been to Laidlaw and, uh, you know, I don't have a verse tattooed on my forearm, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to, that wasn't a dig. Um, I want to encourage you guys tonight that you, that you are far better than you think you are and that you have way more than you think you do to offer. You have way more than you think you do to offer. You have way more, you, the, the experience and the journey that God's put you on is is so intentional. It's not funny. Like I don't I don't believe in coincidence anymore because I think God just uses every little thing to push us like closer to Him. You know, every little thing, every little detail, every little um, or every big thing, every every pain that we've experienced or every um, success that God is going to use everything you have. And if you would just choose to invest, man, I I am qualified. I am good enough. I have influence. I'm aware of my influence. Like when you become aware of the influence you have, it's amazing what can happen. Like just flick that switch, bang. Whoa, hey, I can actually influence people. Even the most introverted person will influence 10,000 people in their entire lifetime. 10,000 people. That's like this room times 100,000. <laughs> no, no, it's, 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 that's a lot of people but I would hate for us to get through life just not being aware that we can actually influence people we can actually make a difference that we we actually have something to give it's like the parable of talents the guy that the guy that buried and hid his talent in the ground and compared to the other two that multiplied and 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 increased what god gave him the reason that he buried it and chucked it in the ground is because it, it says he dis, he despised it he he was scared. He, he, he knew that his master was like a harsh sort of dude. And, and I would hate for us to get through life and, and even get to the end of our life and think, man, I, I actually had something that God gave me. I, I had a talent. I had an experience to share. I had a word to share with someone. I had a conversation that I could have had. I had a talent. And we can use that tonight. We can use that tonight. I want to encourage you in Colossians 1, 28 verses 29. 28 to 29, it says, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. That's pretty full on. That's a pretty big deal. But this is the encouraging part. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. What Paul is saying is that Christ is, he's got like unlimited energy. He's almost, he's got like unlimited resource. He's got unlimited confidence. He's got unlimited boldness. In this, in this place of like, I'm in Christ, I'm anointed. I've got what it takes. If he would have known me like 10 years ago, even talk to my, my dad afterwards, like I wasn't a very fun guy to be around. I was a total total introvert, totally like, Hated, to, didn't really talk to people, didn't like, kind of just mind my own business. I was like so socially awkward. It wasn't even funny. Like I just didn't enjoy, like I remember YouTubing one time, like how to talk to people. Because <laughs> I was so bad. It's, it worked, praise God. But I want to encourage you tonight, like when you, when you realize, man, I've, I've actually got something here. I've actually got something here. Like I've got something to give. I've got a gift. I've got a talent. I've got an experience. I've got a, I've got a piece of wisdom. I've got a hug. I've got a friendship. I've got, a, I, I got a, um, a child here that I can care for and raise and look after. When we, when we don't despise what, like the influence that God's given us, we're going to see this place explode because you guys are way more influential than you think. Way more influential. When you, when you realize the extent to which you can actually influence people in your world, you'll be mind blown. You will be mind blown at how people change, how atmospheres change, how workplaces change, just by activating the influence that you already have. You guys are well qualified to disciple other people. Well qualified. Um, Just another thing for you, like for for the youth here tonight, and maybe like the young adults community, um, you guys might feel like man i'm too young to actually like add value in the church, like I'm too young to like you know even do any i'm too long, too young to lead worship. It's amazing seeing Dominique up here tonight, like you know singing tonight just so so beautifully and 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 was such anointing, but to all you young guys, man, I'm talking to you, Johnny Clark, no 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 um <laughs> um all you young people like. Don't allow your your youth and your age to, to rob you of amazing opportunities. Because we love the older generation here, but they're also looking at you guys to do something as well. In fact, I think that, like there's, 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 there's a great sense of faith that rises in people when they see young guys. Man, that people have been praying for youth to step up and do something for years. There's probably people in this room that have been praying, God, just... Just do something with this generation. They're going, they're going to hell in a handbasket. Let's see some, some kids that are on fire for God. There is nothing more amazing. There's nothing more powerful than when we see even these generations working together, but we see young people say, nah, man, I got this. Like, I'm going to go into my school. I'm actually going to make a difference. I'm not going to bow the knee to, like, expectation of other people and social media and all that trash. I'm actually going to step out and, and stand up for my generation. That takes a great lot of boldness, but I want to encourage you guys tonight. It's an, it's an, it's an attitude change. If you're going to simply change the attitude and your perception, a lot of things can happen for you. Is that cool? All right, the last thing that I wanted to hit tonight, because I haven't hit enough already, <laughs> um, is, is, is number four. Here we go. Discipleship only happens to certain people by random chance. It's a lottery. It's, it's like the island, you know, and they get selected to go to this magical, mysterious place called discipleship. Um, but in all, like in all my years of being in church, which is actually not many compared to some, but I think you guys would agree with me, is that I've seen heaps of people come and go. I've seen loads of people come and go. I've seen certain people thrive and grow and they're like, wow, this guy's amazing. Like he's, he's just popping. He's like, he's just, he's getting it done. She's, she's amazing. She's thriving. She's, she's pursuing God. And then you see some other people that are like, they, they might stay for a few months and then something happens or there's a drama and they just walk, they walk out and leave and they don't come back. Or maybe, that is, that maybe they've been serving in church so long that they just get burnt out and they're like, nah, stuff this, man, I'm out of here. Like I've just, this, is, this isn't worth it anymore. But I want to I, I wanna, um, propose to you tonight, and I've come to this conclusion that there's actually only one reason people stay connected to the life of the church. One primary reason. One primary reason. The worship could be amazing. The preaching could be anointed such as tonight. <laughs> um, the community could be gr- like, you know, the, the, the sound and the music and all that stuff could be amazing, but I, I've, I've come to learn that there's actually only one primary reason people stay in church and continue to grow in their faith and continue to pursue God, and that's because of intentional relationship. Intentional relationship. Someone's faith can actually only be sustained in relationship with other people. Do you guys know that it can only be sustained in relationship with other people? It's it's like your faith is a like a piece of a jigsaw puzzle, but it needs to be it needs to be slotted in, it needs to find its place, or else it's 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 not getting the full picture. It's like if you disconnect something, it's like the vine. You disconnect a branch from the vine. It's uh, it's it's eventually gonna die. It might look green and good for a few months or a few days or a few moments, but it's eventually going to be disconnected from the source of life. Christ in all its fullness is head and body, head and body, which means that we have to be connected to Jesus primarily, but each other as well. We can't stay connected to this vine, this community of life that flows out if we want to go and do our own thing. But the challenge with that is that we need to be intentional with our relationships. We need to spot people that are new into this community, this church here. And we need to say, man, I, like, there's something special about this dude that I want to invest into. Like, let's get this guy plugged into a life group. I'm going to shout this guy some Maccas. We're going to hang out and actually just spend time living life together. I'm going to invite this, this couple around to my home. I'm going to I'm going to get proactive in connecting these people into church. And I really believe that if we could be people of intentional relationship, that we're going to see people come through these doors and and they're going to they're going to stay in this community. They're going to be knitted in. They're going to grow and 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 start succeeding and thriving and reaching their full potential that God has for them if we would just say, "Man, I'm just going to flick the switch and become intentional." I'm going to become an intentional Christian. I'm going to, I'm going to become an intentional Christian. You know, uh, lo- looking back on my past few years in Wellington, um, which is where I came from, um, and even over the last few years, like I've probably met thousands of people in church, like thousands of different people. Um, but I can honestly only name, probably on a hand, like I can only name a handful of people that have intentionally invested into my life. Because there's a difference there. Like, there's a difference to just being at the same events and doing the same job or being in the same place to, man, like this person is intentionally, like they're, they're pursuing relationship, friendship. They're investing into my life intentionally. Love has to happen on purpose. Love has to happen on purpose. Imagine if God was like, oh yeah, sin issue. Oh darn it. Oh, I guess we'll I guess we'll just, you know, we'll just park here and see what happens. You know? No, the whole thing was planned out from the very beginning. Love happens on purpose. We can't expect people to stay in this community, grow in their faith. You can't expect you to grow in your faith unless you're intentional with your relationships. You're generous with your words. You're generous with your encouragement. This is an inc- incredibly encouraging community, but we can be more intentional. Um, an amazing story uh, I recently read was was the story of Elna Edman, And uh, I'm not going to do a show of hands because none of you guys have heard of him before. Maybe you have, but Elna um, would, he, he played golf. Um, okay, uh, regularly, and his caddy was was actually a young preacher at the time um, who assisted him on the golf course. So, you know, he'd hit the ball and then he'd, you know, like tell him what club to use. Oh, you want to like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nine iron, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, trying to, you know, help him help him lift his game and help him assist him. And Elner, he realised and recognised that this young man, was he wasn't just an ordinary dude. He actually had, he had a great potential. He had a great Sense of anointing that this young man carried something special, and so what Elner did is that he he actually decided to pay for this young man's first year of tuition at a at a prestigious Bible college in the states. Um, and not not only that, he actually helped arrange a scholarship so this man could not only join the school but continue in his studies and and that would propel him into his ministry and. In an interview with this, with this, at the time, young man, this, this was actually a massive turning point in the young caddy's ministry. This young man would, he wouldn't actually stay a caddy, <laughs> praise God, but there's nothing wrong with that. Um, <laughs> some of you golf fans like out there, just give me some evils right now. Um, he wouldn't stay a caddy, but he would actually think about it. This is just a man that chose to invest privately and consistently into this young man's life. This young man, young caddy, would go on to become one of the greatest evangelists in the last century. Over an entire lifetime, he would lead a total. He would he would preach the gospel to a total of two point two billion people. Two point two billion people. This man's name was Billy Graham. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? We see this, this the ministry success. And we see, you know, this, this, this incredible success story in Christendom. This man who came out of almost nowhere became this powerful, mighty evangelist and preached the gospel to billions, millions and millions and millions. But what we don't actually see is the intentionality that began down here. And we don't see the link of intentionality that carried this man all the way through his ministry. Allow me to... to Remove the myth in your mind that some people just get lucky with this whole ministry thing. They just get lucky with this whole, you know, success thing. It doesn't happen like that. Nothing good really Nothing good really happens by default. Nothing good really happens by default. Intentionality. Discipleship only happens intentionally. I feel like God's calling us to a greater level of intentionality tonight. Um, an amazing verse I love, and this is, this is something that has really uh, helped, helped clarify certain things in my life and really given me a, an amazing sense of drive and vision, is that in, in Ephesians 5.15, I don't think we've got on the screen there, but Ephesians 5.15-17 says this, Look carefully then how you walk, not, at, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. In another trans- translation, it says, do not walk circumspectly, which just means walking like this. Just kind of floating in between church meetings and, you know, floating in between your job. Floating in between moments. And no, like what, what, what he's saying here is we need to be wise. We need to, we need to be people of intentionality. It says, therefore, do not be foolish. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what God's will is for you. And his, it's, it's, it's been made really plain, as we can see here all through Scripture. God, God's heart is in this thing called multiplication. Even since Genesis 1.28, you can go look it up later. But God's heart is in this thing of multiplication, of discipleship, of investing yourself and other people into developing leaders and developing people that can do the same for others. And um, I I really feel like God's calling us to this greater level of intentionality. I want to invite the the band to stage, and um, I'm going to wrap it up pretty soon. But um, basically, I, I just wanted to give you guys an opportunity to respond tonight. And that um, I really feel like, you know, we, we have a city, like a whole city that needs to be discipled. We live in such a crazy culture where, you know, um, there's just crazy things happening. Like it would blow you up. Like the stories I hear are just absolutely insane. Like the things that people are engaging with now and it's, it's almost seen as normal. We live in a city that desperately needs discipleship. This is God's plan A. There is no plan B. Like Jesus literally won't come back until this entire process runs its course. Until we step up and say, man, we're going to disciple nations. The church can disciple nations. We can disciple a city. We can disciple a community. We can disciple a household. We can disciple an individual. We can disciple an individual. There are people in your world that desperately need your input. Like, desperately need your input. There's you know, Like, the stats are there. It's just insane. I was at a um, regional youth pastors meeting last, uh, last week, and the stats are just horrendous. Like, it's crazy to see what, what the, sta- the state of mental health that teenagers are in right now. One in ten people will go through school um, like self-harming. Like, one in ten at some stage through the high school journey, they would have harmed themselves in, 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 a, in a horrific way. People are depressed, discouraged. They need you guys. They need you guys. We don't need just a just revival in the sense that the church is coming alive because you only have revival. You only, you only have a revival... When there's actually when there's something to do, the body becomes alive so it can do. It can do. It can act. It can affect change. It can influence. There's nothing more powerful than the body of Christ, man. There's nothing more powerful than the church that means business. We want to see revival happen. We want to see the miraculous. We want to see signs of wonders. We want to see all of that amazing, incredible stuff. We want to see the Holy Spirit sweep through the city and through this nation, through the world. But we need to see reformation too. We need to see we need to see like schools and, and all these places discipled. We need to see cultures changed. We need to see cultures shifted. You might go into work and think, "Man, this is such a depressing, like horrific place. I don't even like working here." A lot of people don't enjoy their jobs. But I guess the challenge for us tonight is: Can we be intentional in changing that environment? Can we change that environment? Can we, can we see environments transformed? Can we see our houses, our households transformed? Can we see our peer groups transformed? Can we see our children transformed? Amen. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like God wants to um, really challenge us. And I feel challenged. Like this is something that I've been living out for the last probably a few months going really hardcore at this thing called discipleship and it's just been amazing to see what's what's happening even in the youth um I just want to remind you guys like god God's method God's method is man like you are the method does that does that make sense to you guys like it's you guys are you guys are the answer like you guys are the solution God wants to use you. The answer is for all of us, like every single person, whether you've been saved one day, one week, or one century. God wants to use you to intentionally disciple the people in your world. You have family members, you have friends, you have people you care about. It could be one person, it could be 10 people. Faithfulness means using what you have and increasing it. The way we increase in this kingdom is by giving away what we have and serving other people. Josh preached an amazing word last week and the week before about this man that saw the kingdom. He saw it for what it really was. He understood the call, the, the gravity of it. And he willingly sold everything he had. Whew. I just want I, I to make it clear, like, this is, this, is not a, this is no small thing. This is not like a, cute little sermon that we go home and just forget. Like, this is, this is what God is saying to us. This is a challenge. This is a lifestyle. This is something that we need to shift. And so I just quickly want to go through three things, three things that we can do to disciple people better. And then we're going to head into a time of ministry tonight. But the first thing we can do to disciple people better is be more Intentional. Just become more intentional. It literally is a switch that you can flick. Bang, I'm consciously thinking about what I'm doing. I'm aware of people that are in my world. I'm aware of people that I have influence over. People you lead, siblings, children, colleagues. Um, the second thing that we can do is, um, is open your home. Share your life with others. Discipleship, it's a call to intimacy and closeness. We talked about, be, you know, being afraid of or, or feeling inadequate. What if people see my weakness? But I really feel like there's going to be greater healing for you. There's going to be greater growth for other people if we were just open our lives and say, whoa, this is me, man. Hi. This is me. This is my life. This is the problem. I have issues. So I have weaknesses, but I'm, I'm faithful to God. He's faithful to me. We'd see incredible things happen. And the last thing that we could do to disciple people better, to be better influencers, better leaders in our communities is that we could speak to their potential. Speak to their potential. Every person has gold, gold inside them. I kind of play it like a game. I can, how, how can I mine out the most amount of gold? With my words, with my encouragement, with my time, with my energy, with my money, with my resource. How can I see the potential and draw it out of them? Who can I encourage? Who do I need to talk to? We can be more intentional. We can open our home and we can speak to their potential. That's three very basic things that I think we can all do.